Sorry. <coughs> Let's pray. Dear God on high, we come to you today with everything that we are in praise of all that you are and who you are. We want to come to you today with open minds and open hearts to hear what you have to say to us today. We've already spoken through the songs, through prayer, through the Bible readings today. Continue to speak to us in a different way, in a way that, that comes to our minds and changes our hearts. Transform us in these next few minutes as I give your word and share what you've laid on my heart. You are here in this room, Lord. You are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today, we're going to continue on in Matthew, in our sermon series, um, about those last few days of Jesus, and how much that went on in those times. Today, we're going to talk about three main characters, Pilate, Jesus, and Barabbas, with three secondary people as well, Pilate's wife, the religious leaders, and the crowd. Before I get into what I was going to say today, let's share our scripture. Matthew 27, verses 11 through 26. This and they're split up into tiny little sections. So the first little section is Jesus before Pilate. So this is right after Judas had sold Jesus to the religious leaders. They brought them before the religious leaders, and they found him guilty of blasphemy, even though there's literally nothing he did that was wrong. But whatever. They brought him to the governor of the, of the time of their area, which is Pontius Pilate. And this is how it starts. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. <clears throat> but when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was completely was greatly amazed. I'm reading from the ESV, so whatever version you have is fine with me. Let's move on to chapter, to verse 15 in chapter 27. This is entitled, The Crowd Chooses Barabbas. Now at the, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had, had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor said to them, 
Which of these two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So this last section, starting in verse 24, is titled, Pilate delivers Jesus to be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Now this is not a fun scene for Jesus at all, is it? He says one singular phrase, you've said so, or you've said it. And that time on, he's silent the whole time. Even while the crowds were shouting, even when people were accusing him of things, he stood there, hung his head, I don't know how he was, basically knowing what had to be done. He had already accepted in the Garden of Gethsemane of what he needed to do in order to fulfill his purpose here on this earth for us. To follow the Father's will. He stood there defenseless and silent like a lamb being led to a slaughter that trusted their shepherd. But we're going to first talk about the main character of Pilate. Pilate leads the story in, asking Jesus if he was the king of the Jews. And Jesus, of course, answered, you have said so. And then enters in the religious leaders, and then Barabbas, and the crowd. And in the middle of that, Pilate's wife. Like I said before, Jesus stayed silent because he knew it was his time. The religious leaders were finally getting their say in what happens to Jesus. It was finally that time where they had designed and schemed and planned on Jesus dying for all of those things that he had done that they thought was just completely against their religion completely against what God had, they thought God had set out for them. They were ready, and they were happy, I would think. Pilate, on the other hand, was seemingly just following protocol and appeasing the leaders and the crowd. He thought that Jesus was innocent. He thought that Jesus didn't do anything evil, and he questioned the crowd, but they just kept shouting back at him, let him be crucified. His blood be on our hands and our children's hands. I don't know about you, but I would not want to weigh that responsibility in my life for having said that. But they did it. They were persuaded by the religious leaders. They were persuaded by the 
riotousness of the crowd with Barabbas being before them, whom they deemed more worthy to be released than Jesus. I don't, I mean, Jesus, Barabbas, they saw it the other way. Barabbas is better than Jesus in this moment. And of course the religious leaders were happy to see that the crowds were agreeing with them. Because they hadn't had control of them for the past like three years. Jesus had been leading these people everywhere he went. And they had been losing their followers bit by bit by bit by bit. Until today. Well, until that day. Back then. And they were pushing to have Jesus crucified because what time of year was it back then? Passover. And what time was it going to be really soon? Sabbath. And what can't you do on the Sabbath? Kill someone. Or have them killed for doing bad things. You can't do that on the Sabbath. You can't do anything on the Sabbath. But rest and rejoice in the Lord. So they were really pushing for Jesus to be So that they could celebrate the Passover Sabbath in peace. Without Jesus. Without all of his followers saying all of these things and doing all of these things, healing people. How dare they? Pilate's wife was even involved in this scenario. We get so many little characters named in this scene when throughout Jesus' ministry, we didn't even know that Pilate was the governor, really. I mean, I think we did, maybe, in the beginning of Matthew. That was just to recount the time in history. But we didn't get any about them. But Pilate's wife was involved, and she was so concerned. She had been given a dream and been concerned about who Jesus was and what all of this writing and all these crowds meant that day. She was telling Pilate not to be involved. And he basically did so by washing his hands of the whole thing. He did that in front of everyone. He said, this isn't my problem. This is for you. I'm appeasing you guys. Now, let's talk about this Barabbas. Or, as he's also called, Jesus Barabbas. Because, lo and behold, they I think they shared the first, same first name. Jesus Christ and Jesus Barabbas. So you might be a little confused. But they wanted Barabbas. He was a notorious prisoner, or in Mark and Luke, also a committed rioter and murderer. So Barabbas was not only an opposite of Jesus and the fact that he was a murderer and a rioter and leading on this insurrection against Rome. But Barabbas, and I want you guys to get this, also represents the trade-off in who we are. Even though we, in our lives, have chosen sin over God, against his will, we are, we are pardoned 
and replaced by Jesus. And why is this so? Because we are also worthy of God's love and a relationship with him. So Jesus and his infinite wisdom of divinity allowed his humanity to suffer and those events to occur. Not only to die for us, but to understand us even more. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes life is hard and difficult, and some might even call it sufferable. Now, I don't, I hope people don't call you, call you insufferable, but life can be full of suffering. Life can be full of <clears throat> darkness and dark times. But just before you put yourself somewhere else in the story, remember you are Barabbas in this story. You might be tempted to think that you're a part of the crowd, crying for Jesus' crucifixion, and not knowing what's going on, and not knowing what's about to be done, and not having any stake in the game. You are Barabbas. We are the prisoner hoping to be set free, hoping that God will set us free from whatever it is that we suffer from. Remember, Jesus lived a sinless life, and no one could find any evil in his behavior or in his past. But Barabbas represented the message to the people of Rome, to the people about Rome. To the Jews, Barabbas represented conquering Rome and setting them free. Jesus represented the message of a new kingdom, which they also thought was great. I mean, may I remind you that just almost a week previous, people were praising Jesus' name and welcoming him into the city of Jerusalem, hoping that he would bring in a new era of peace and prosperity to them, instead of underneath the thumb of the Roman rule. But we all know that Jesus' message didn't necessarily bring the right methodology that people thought would be worth it. They couldn't really get behind Jesus in this. They said, oh yeah, great kingdom of peace. Repent and turn your sins. We've heard this before. Let's do that. But what that actually meant was people leaving their lives and following Jesus, not leaving behind their lives to go conquer Rome and to be free and to do whatever they wanted, but to follow Jesus. Because the Messiah was supposed to do something miraculous and set the people of Jerusalem and Israel free. The people wanted out of Rome's control and to gain the status of independence, to be God's truly chosen people, set apart for their own doing, to follow him. 
They didn't realize that true freedom was to be found in Jesus. True freedom is found in Christ. True freedom is not out of government control, out of the world's rules, out of how things go on in this world. True freedom is found in Christ. We must remember that. Not a man leading a violent revolution, but Jesus is whom we should follow. But the people listened to their leaders. You know, they didn't know they were doing anything wrong. They thought our religious leaders, who have been a part of us for longer than Jesus has been leading us, say that this man Barabbas needs to be set free and Jesus needs to be crucified for all the things he's been saying and doing. Go for it. Let's do it. <coughs> so they aren't to blame. But the religious leaders of that broken old system, for what Jesus had to die for, is to blame. Jesus died to set us free from a broken old religious tired system of following rules, do's and don'ts, constantly living in fear of what we're going to do wrong, and if we're worthy of love, and if we're worthy of going on, and if we're worthy of doing things the right way, even at all, if there's any good in us at all, Jesus came to set us free from that. We are free to live in a kingdom of God, in a kingdom of peace, in a kingdom of love, in a kingdom where we're no longer slaves to fear and to sin, but to peace and harmony and belonging. As um, I just remembered that one of the things I did in Wesley Seminary while I was there, um, the president would do this thing with us anytime we visited a campus, and it was called You Belong Here. And she would go, you belong here. And it was this little thing that she managed to get up and do and do it with her over and over again until we remembered that we were there for a reason. And studying God's word and studying God's uh, the past in our church and learning how to be leaders and learning how to be preachers and learning how to be teachers and le learning to lead worship and learning to lead ministry with that sentiment that you belong here. And each and every one of you here today, whether you're on site or online, belongs here. In this time, in this era, in this place, to God. You belong to God. You belong to his people. Even though, even though we're like Barabbas, trying to take charge in our own worlds, trying to set ourselves free from whatever it is that keeps us down. We think, we always have to think we have to do something, right? I mean, I'm an oldest. I'm a bossy pants. I've got a strong will. Passed it on to my children. I see it now. <laughs> We always think we have to do something. 
whether it's sit back and just let the world come at us, or if we're taking charge and trying to take down whatever it is that comes in front of us, or we dodge, you know, just bob and weave, bob and weave, like if you're playing dodgeball, if that's how you do the world. We're always trying to take control of some aspect of our lives, aren't we? That's what Barabbas represents, too. Barabbas had to take control. He committed murder. He started riots. He was like, Rome's not going to take me for any more than I'm, any more than I'm worth. No more. I'm going to take charge. Don't know who he murdered. Sorry for them and their families, but he did something wrong. And doesn't that happen to us? We find ourselves doing something wrong, even though we're trying to do something good. Trying to get rid of the bad of our lives. We're trying to do something to make everything better for ourselves and even for others. You know, some of us have some altruism and a servant's heart. We want to make things better for other people. And we'll do anything to do that too. For those of us who are parents and grandparents, I don't know what it is about grandparents, but you like to spoil your grandkids. Just saying. You'll do anything for them. Something you didn't necessarily do for your children. I don't know if it ha something happens, brain changes, you go crazy, I don't know. But you want to make it better for them, right? You want to make a better world for them. And you'll stop at nothing. You'll do anything by any means necessary to achieve the goals of peace and harmony. But guys, we can't do that. Jesus can. Jesus brings peace. Jesus brings harmony. Jesus brings us together. That's why we're called brothers and sisters in Christ. There are no more closer relationships other than the Trinity, husbands and wives, and brothers and sisters, parents and children. We are called family. We are called to be together. And I want to challenge you today to remember who Jesus is and to who we are. Barabbas. Remember who Jesus is and who we are. Barabbas. Jesus what did we sing about today? Jesus, how can it be that you, your love set us free from everything that has gone in our lives? Jesus, you walked on water, you talked to the seas, you roared like a lion, you set fire to the world by coming down. And who are we? Barabbas. People that need to be pardoned and to be saved. Today I want you to remember that. I want you to go from this place in a little bit and remember who Jesus is. And if you don't remember who Jesus is, read about him. 
We've got a Bible. Says plenty about him. We've got people writing about their experiences with Jesus. People writing about Bible history and history of, the, of Jesus. Go out, study them. But what's even more awesome, you don't even have to go study them. You can talk to them. You can say, Dear Jesus, tell me who you are again. I want to know. I want to know who you are so that I remember who I am. So that I can be more like you. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, you are holy. You are worthy of all of our praise. You are glorified. You are honorable. Let us today remember who you are and what you've done for us. Let us be people of you. Let us be, let us be conquerors of sin and strife through you, Jesus. Let us be people of peace and harmony amongst one another and lights to this world. For you are the light. You shined bright. You showed us the way. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for all you've done, and all that you continue to do as you help us grow as people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for... Uh participating in the worship celebration with us today, whether you're online or on site. If you're online, by the way, if you have not already done so, I invite you to join the uh, Champions of Hope, our Facebook group, family, and uh, you can do that. The link is in the uh, description of the Facebook event. We are sent... Jesus sends us as the Father sent him to seek and save his missing children. We are sent to go in the love and power of the Holy Spirit. We will transform grudges into grace. We will transform apathy into affection. We will transform despair into determination. So, go. You are sent.